before we before we break for lunch, we can just a little time for whatever questions or thoughts or comments you might have coming out of the practice and the exercise. And as you as we sit together and explore, just see if this can, don't don't give up being embodied, right? So as you're speaking, listening, reflecting, just seeing if one can continue the sense of, oh, present in the midst of. So, comments or questions? Yeah. It's just coming, it's just coming. About, uh, can you hear me? Yeah. About, I would say, 25, between 25 and 30 years ago, one of the first teachers I ever encountered was a gentleman named Stephen Levine. Stephen Levine always taught with a meditation called Soft Belly. Mm. Today I understand why. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to thank you for that. I felt much more grounded with the belly than I did with the breath. Right. And I wanted to ask you a question. I found myself starting to sway. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the reason is, unless it has to do with your, your device. What did you call it? Uh, Weeble. A wimple. We call it a weebles wobble. We call it a we call it a shmoo. A shmoo. A shmoo. 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 You could hit it and it would never it never would go over. Yeah. But I finally I find myself swaying. Right. As soon as I'm in the belly. Yeah. There's a sway. Yeah. And I don't know why. Okay. So. Without being able to say specifically why, like what exactly it means or is related to, more important than the specifics is a sense that actually as we relax, basically, because a lot of what embodiment is about is relaxation. And that doesn't just mean muscular relaxation. It means energetic relaxation and layers and subtlety of relaxation that we may have never known in our lives even mostly we're used to being tense and then we say oh relax oh yeah that feels better and we think we but you know relaxation is like a kind of infinite trajectory you don't really there's oh oh there's, there's you know degrees and degrees and degrees to which relaxation can happen and as presence and relaxation uh, deepen, they make room for a kind of energetic unwinding of things that have been previously sort of crunched or tight or compressed in ways that we may not have even ever noticed. And as that sort of energetic freeing up happens, which we might easily language call relaxation, then there's various quite common symptoms of that, of the ways things just realign, and swaying is one of those things. Right. So it can be swaying backwards or forwards. It can be also sort of just jumpy movements. It's quite common. Um, can also be changes in temperature, feeling very hot or very cold, particularly very hot. It can also be uh, change, perceptual changes in the sense of the density of bodily, body, like feeling very, very, very heavy and dense. 
or feeling very, very light, and like as if one's taken off or levitated. Uh, the sense of size, like we were saying, feeling like a big belly, feeling just huge sometimes, or feeling v- or like as if one's diminishing and disappearing. And all those things are quite common perceptual sort of transitional things that happen in the process of just you know, this ongoing process of basically relaxing. Yeah. It's interesting that I often hear meditation teachers sort of slightly defensively saying, oh, meditation's about a lot more than just relaxing, you know. And I always think, well, <laughs> actually, not, no. Meditation's very, 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 very much about just relaxing. But our usual relationship to relaxing is one where we, uh, we sort of go unconscious in some way, right? We relax in front of the TV. And we relax, have a few drinks. So most of our associations, most of how most people know how to relax is by going unconscious in some way. So clearly that's not what meditation's about, right? But it's actually about aligning up relaxation and being more conscious or more aware. But it's very much a process. What we commonly refer to as letting go, right? That's a visceral, physical thing. But we tend to, just like we mentalize mindfulness, we tend to mentalize letting go, right? Actually, the way you taste the sense of liberation, the taste, the sense of freedom from something that is the freedom of letting go is you feel the unhooking, the dropping, the leaving alone softening, relaxing. So these qualities of peace, qualities of ease, qualities of relaxation, qualities of feeling more free and fluid in one's life are very much visceral qualities. And, you know, relaxation is a very easy way to taste the tangible benefit of meditation. You can do it, just even if you tense up muscularly. You feel like it's just uncomfortable. I mean, you can do it a bit now, if you like. And then, relax. Oh. And so that process of using embodied practice as a way of fostering that kind of relaxation and then going through the various waves or readjustments or reconfigurations and swaying and all the other things I just mentioned that are part of that Uh, of learning to kind of live into, rest into that fluidity and ease. Yeah. I have never done this meditation. Hold it a bit more like an ice cream, exactly. I have never done this meditation before. Mm. But um, I was meant to be here because I have serious problems in that area. Uh-huh. And I connected the two, which I have been, mm. but they really started screaming while I was sitting here in meditation. And what I was really surprised at was the energetic of fear mm-hmm. that came through here. Mm. So I jumped into my mind and said, should I say let it go? Should I come back into it? And then when I processed here with my friend, it was gone. Mm. So I'd like to know 
what maybe the energetics were mm. in doing that, whether his energetics and my energetics had anything to do with it, or that I was just more comfortable? Mm. Well, it's, it's hard to know exactly. I would imagine that there was a little less intensity, right? And just sitting here in the meditation, the sense of not moving, and then this making the connection between whatever the, the health issue or difficulty is there and the being present in your belly, right? And then just, you know, and then the, the sort of intensity of that that gave rise to fear was cooled out a little bit by the ending of the meditation and being in a, in a different mode. I imagine that's what happened. Thank you. If you find that the making that link between the way of attention in the belly and whatever the difficulty is going on in the belly is helpful, my encouragement would be really to, to carry on with that, but with a couple of particular caveats. Firstly, that, you re that the attention you're giving, because it's, there's difficulty there and because it can give rise to fear, to make sure that the attention you're giving is a gentle attention kind attention, loving attention, relaxing attention, rather than a kind of hard attention or attention, that, oh, I've got to get to the bottom of this, or if I really do this, then I'll be able to sort out whatever the difficulty is there, and a kind of pushy, pushy attention, right, which sometimes is our habit to give a pushy attention. So that's the first thing. Make sure you're giving gentle, kind, gracious attention. And then the second thing is to feel free. If, if fear builds up, well, at first, maybe the kindness and the gentleness is enough to hold the fear. But if the fear builds up too much, then just to switch channels a little bit. Just like there, the way the inquiry cooled out the fear. Right? Just to move. You might open your eyes. might help with the fear. Or you stand up. Or you just stop and then come back to the meditation more. And again... And the fact of just being respectful to the fear and the kindness that goes into the attention, both of those are very, very good supports. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Martin. It's a really wonderful morning being embellied and um, I have a question about um, I really enjoyed how you described mindfulness today as presence in the midst of whatever's happening I'm wondering um, if you might offer a little clarification of terms on distinctions between presence and knowing and consciousness here. I was wondering if he could offer more on um, the distinction between presence as a definition for mindfulness mm. and knowing and consciousness. So consciousness yeah. yeah, okay. So I could, and I, and I will, and I like that. So the question is, having spoken about mindfulness as presence and presence in, to disambiguate a little bit these terms that often are rather muddied together. Consciousness, awareness, knowing, presence, mindfulness, and attention. And I'm happy to disambiguate all of those, but it'll take a little while, so, so we'll do it this afternoon. Yeah. yeah. 
Guy. Hi, and thank you. Mm. Um, I had a question regarding the, the breath, uh, not necessarily only throughout uh, formal practice, but also just throughout the day and all that. Um, I found myself being more and more interested in uh, slower breathing and mm -hmm. also uh, almost like lengthening the, 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 the break, the, pa the pause. Um, and which uh, made me think of also, I'm not sure what the term is in English, uh, apnea? Keep holding it. Um, apnea? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was wondering from, from your perspective and from like a Buddhist perspective, because we keep thinking of talking about the breath, um, but there isn't always so much emphasis on like just not breathing or yeah. not say holding the breath, because mm -hmm. that sounds wrong mm -hmm. kind of, but mm -hmm. like just that moment when it, feel, it may feel natural to just like, Nothing. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. So there's two different kinds of practices around breath, right? And one of them is breath, you know, manipulating and controlling the breath in certain ways. So all the pranayama practices, for example, are very specifically to do with actually controlling the breathing in various different ways. And then there's what we're doing, which is generally very clearly and specifically about not controlling the breath, not having any kind of particular breath, no idea of what constitutes a right breath or a spiritual breath or a, a meditative breath. No, natural breath, natural breath. Just let it do, let it do. However, when you just let it do, right, as this kind of, this quality of relaxation and uh, as that sets in and as you're not going up and out so much but you're actually just staying in and down, then, you know, breath starts to change in certain ways. And one of the ways that it starts to change is that the apnea, the, 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 that pause at the end of the out-breath, can become very, very long sometimes. So long that it can feel like it... Because time also changes in meditation, right? So we don't, without knowing how many seconds it is, we can feel like I'm just there in this. And it's also the most peaceful place in the breath cycle. Right? The in-breath is stimulating, it's expanding, it's enlivening, it's energizing, it's oxygenating. Right? And then the out-breath, by its nature, is relaxing. It's sort of cooling out, but it still has movement to it. And then in that moment, at the end of the out-breath, there's a kind of opportunity to taste a quality of stillness or depth or expansiveness or peacefulness that can be very beautiful and pronounced. And sometimes in that out-breath, we can't tell anymore whether it's just a natural gap or whether I'm consciously not breathing in again. Does that make sense? Does some of you good and nodding. No need to figure it out whether you're doing one or the other. But I would say definitely, if that's what's happening, if there's, a, if there's that kind of lengthening in the pause between the out-breath, just tasting whatever qualities are available in there, and particularly qualities of dissolution, of spaciousness, of, of non-mental non proliferation, etc., etc. It's a wonderful place. It's such a wonderful place to hang out that one can start to feel resistant to the in-breath. 
You know, I noticed when I was in the monastery in the early 90s, I, I started to notice how I had actually some strong, quite strong view of, I wish I could only breathe out. <laughs> what? How would that work exactly? But I also noticed that it was actually because there was something so kind of peaceful and relaxing and simple to, in the out-breath and that period at the end of the out-breath that it also revealed to me a way I was actually resisting all that is represented by the in-breath. Right? I mean, a monastery is a place of out-breath in, in, a, in a way. And it was like, oh yeah, just leave me here. Things are kind of simple. And then... What do you mean? I've got to like make money and figure things out and make decisions. All that stuff seemed to be in-breath stuff that I was, you know, kind of like, oh, here we go. Oh, life, mind, stuff. You know, and then, oh, oh, yeah, out. So there's there's a kind of you can find the whole universe. You can find your whole psyche. You can find all the the elemental nature of the way the universe constructs itself and d- dissolves itself just in the process of, of breathing. And, um, yeah, that seems to me the most valuable thing about that apnea. Not trying to extend it particularly, but it's somehow true that in those moments where body's very relaxed and peaceful, you sort of have a kind of option without trying, without forcing, without contracting in any way. It sort of seems to be arbitrary how long you go with it before the next in-breath comes. And Beth's just... Leaving it, leaving it, leaving it alone, leaving it alone. And in-breath will happen by itself anyway. Okay, so last one, and then we'll stop for lunch. Thank you. Um, So I often, not always, but often have difficulty feeling my breath in the belly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel more in the chest than in the belly. Um, I found putting my hands on my belly quite useful mm-hmm. because it's subtle. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that in the, my understanding is in the practice is what you just said is that, you, you know, the breath is however it's going to be. You're not going to push your belly out, you know, to make you feel it more in your belly. But I'm wondering if, I guess the question is, given the subtlety of the breath in, in the belly... Um, are there other strategies, or does do, uh, with development, can you take your hands off your belly at some yeah. point? Yeah. So of? there's a couple of things you can do, like I uh, offered at the beginning of the meditation. Just, but you can also do it in the middle of it. Just taking a few deep breaths, where you more just you kind of just provokes a bit more sensation and makes your breath go down there a little more. So that can be helpful. It can also be that you just never mind trying to feel your breath down there, that you just focus on the sensation of warmth of your hands there, and then take them away. And that might change, right? Because there's less intensity of sensation when you take your hands away. But if you can, even if what's of it rests is less tangible, or it feels like, oh, there's nothing there, you stay focused on the sense of nothing in your belly, right? It doesn't have to be the breath, and it doesn't have to feel a certain way. It doesn't have to feel, like I was saying, around or expansive. Maybe it feels numb and inaccessible. Right? A lot of us have a lot of history of, of lifting up out of our bellies, actually. And so there's, there's various kind of layers of stuff we go through in the process of establishing that sense of embodied 
presence that I've been speaking about. And numbness or confusion or a feeling of absence or of lack of contact might be some of those layers that we go through. Yeah. All right. So uh, we'll take some time for lunch. And my encouragement for lunch would be to just, you know, <laughs> stay here. Stay here. So that the relationship to belly isn't just there after lunch, like it sometimes is. Oh, oh yes, now I feel my belly. Mm-hmm. And, just, and one, of the, one of the good ways to support embodied presence, you know, as you put your shoes on and as you leave the building and as you go and look for something to eat or whatever you're doing, you know, just is slowing down. Moving a little more slowly, you don't have to kind of go down right. You see, sometimes people doing walking meditation on retreat, like the pedaling in the jam. That's the weird translation of a French expression, doesn't really work. But but just if you just slow down, like even five percent, we're often moving quicker than we need to, and the just the the sense of slowing, it's also a kind of tenderizing, it allows that sense of dropping kind of movement. And so just to see, of course, moving around Manhattan and going to have lunch, the sense of what embodied presence means is going to be different than just sitting here, breathing in your belly in formal meditation. Of course it is. Right? So don't expect the same thing. You've got to, you know, you're crossing the street you don't want all your attention in your belly, right? You want to look left and right. Well, just to see if the moving around and, the, and all of that can have a sense of ground, a sense of awake in the, in the, in the midst of, inside experience, so that you don't lose yourself, or that at least having lost yourself into this and that, you come back, you come back, you come back. So just having that thread of presence run through lunchtime, and then when we come back, we'll have a look at the other uh, centres as well through the afternoon. So please enjoy your lunch. It's ten to, it's five to one now already. Wow. So let's come back at about twenty past two. And we're generally, I like to leave this room as a quiet room, so that if you want to just be quiet in here, you can. And that includes lying down. If you want to have a nap after lunch, I live in southern France, right? We <laughs> like nap after lunch. So if you want to lie down and just rest a little, please feel free. And then I'll ring the bell about 20 past, and we'll start again. And there's probably a lot of New York Insight propaganda over the back that you can look at. And there's a bit of Martin's propaganda as well for the centre I live at in France and the On What Line live classes that we run with various renowned teachers every Sunday and uh, some uh, online uh, courses and classes that I've got going on. So that stuff's there. Please enjoy your lunch. See you later. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org.
www.ghostbusters.org slash donate.